And we're back. And we're off. We're off. We're back. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Gregorian Rant. This is Father Brian Lurkin. And we have a guest today who is Mrs. Megan Carney. Say hi, Megan. Hi, everyone. Glad so, to be here. I'm Sorry, glad Patrick you're here. Yeah. So we, uh, today we do have some sad news. Uh, and so we want to ask all your prayers. By the time this comes out, this will be, uh, will be past this and moving forward. But Patrick this morning was in a bike accident and, uh, we're praying for him right now. And for Steph, um, fairly serious, he's going to be okay. Uh, but not a, not a small accident. He, uh, he was hit biking down a mountain this morning. So our prayers go out to Patrick and Steph, who of course we love dearly. They mean the world to us. And uh, we're praying for his recovery. We did want to have a brief podcast today just to get things out there. Megan is in our staff. She works with Patrick day in and day out. She's in our development office with Patrick. Uh, and has been, how long have you been at Lords now? Since September. So was about the eight months or... That's, I, I can't do math. I'm a priest, not a, <laughs> not a scientist or a mathematician. I think that's about right. Yeah. So Megan's been with us. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, Megan Carney. Boy. Well, you can probably see the sling here. So I'm just off of so- shoulder surgery. So I apologize if I'm a little hazy, but hopefully coming out of it. Yeah. This is the hip thing today though. Yeah. Soldier surgery is, you know, oh, yeah. everybody, everybody's into it these days. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I've been, well, only employed at Lloyd's for nine months, but been a part of Lloyd's for going on six years, I think. Um, I've had two kids go through there. I'm married. I have three daughters and um, just one left at Lloyd's. I'd like to have more at Lloyd's, but. And your wonderful husband. My wonderful husband is Brian. Great name. (laughs) Great name. Brian Patrick, actually. Is his middle name Patrick? I didn't know that. Yep. Yep. So. So he's like the perfect blend between Patrick and I. Well, I thought since you're also Brian Patrick, I am also Brian Patrick. That's true. But yes. So yeah, that's true. You and you and Patrick Wolf. So yeah, he has his own company called Fifth Talent. They jumped in off the five talents in the Gospel Parable. Oh, talents, gotcha. So. Those talents. Those talents. Yes. Okay. So. Very good. Yeah. Very good. So, um, so today, what we want to do again, we're praying for Patrick and Steph and. Uh, I'm sure Patrick will be back and healthy and strong as ever soon. Uh, and we'll have him back on. But today I did want to, our podcast, of course, is called Gregorian Rant. And so today we are going to rant against him and stuff a little bit <laughs> with all love and reverence. But last week they were on when I was gone. And I've heard a number of you have been thrilled that they stayed on topic. Well, I'm going to show you chumps out there. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to go off topic more than ever. No, they talked last week a little bit about um, dating in the Catholic world, and I've got some corrections. I am excited to hear that. What about I, you? Well, I my disclaimer is that I have not heard their podcast yet. I am behind. I was not during recovery. The I think the most strenuous thing I watched or paid attention to was what about Bob? So that is pretty strenuous. <laughs> that is pretty strenuous. <laughs> So I'm just getting back in this week of things here. So, um, yeah. so that's my disclaimer. I haven't heard their podcast. But. So let me ask you this. Have you heard me preach on dating in the Catholic world? A little bit. Because there's, there's always, I always say there's two sermons every year that I get more pushback than all the rest combined. Oh. And you would think it would be like the really controversial, like 
same-sex marriage, abortion, et cetera, et cetera. But it's actually not those. And maybe that's just because we're at Lourdes. That could be. And people at Lourdes are like, FB, we wish we would preach on that every week. Yes. Uh, but the, the, two, the two sermons I get the most pushback on every year, the number one, do you know what the number one one is? I guess it's not contraception. It's not contraception. <laughs> it's Christmas decorations. Ah! People get so mad because every year, like during Advent, I always tell people at Advent, it's not Christmas yet. And I say, <laughs> you're supposed to celebrate Advent and live Advent, waiting for the coming of the Lord. And the first two weeks of Advent are, okay, we're not going to be on topic. <laughs> I abandon all hope. But the first two weeks of Advent focus on the end times and the return of Christ. And only, only when you really reach December 17th with the O antiphons do you turn towards Bethlehem and the nativity. And so I always tell people, don't, you shouldn't be celebrating Christmas. It's not Christmas yet. I don't care what Starbucks says. And people are like mortified. <laughs> like they can't, they lose their minds on that one. And then, and people have told me a Lord straight up. They're like, we will not invite you to our house during Advent. I can see that. Because you're, you freak us out. You will, they will feel shame because you'll be witnessing their decorations. Yes, yeah. exactly. So that's, that's number one. Number two is today's topic. Okay. The, the second one is, I will preach sometimes about how the basic expectation should be that you actually should marry a Catholic. And I'm, we're the underdogs here. I think you're with me. Are you with me on this one? I am 100% with you. So this is, we're the underdogs though, because Ryan, our producer here, uh, just, just was mentioning, you know, he used to be an atheist not too long ago and his fiance and him dated and she's Catholic and now he is. And then Patrick and Steph last week. And so it looks like we're the underdogs. I guess so. So you've got three daughters. I do. So let's hear as a mother's perspective, why would you not want them to date or kind of be pursuing a relationship with someone who's not Catholic? Oh boy. Um, I think so many parents today, so many Catholic parents today are, are, are concerned that their kids would grow up and leave the faith. Right. And dating, getting involved with somebody who's not Catholic makes that all the more likely, right? That they would be pulled away. Kind of the, the repetitive problem with the Israelites, right? They, they Look at you and, and so forth. Biblical theology. I <laughs> yeah, like yeah. that. <laughs> but that was the thing that they just, they couldn't pass it on to the next generation. They kept yeah. marrying from people outside the faith with people outside the faith. Um, so, yeah, the, the thought of my girls not remaining close to God and not remaining Catholic is heartbreaking, just that fear there. And it just, but also it's just marrying a Catholic myself, it has brought so much consolation and so much unity yep. to be able to share that and have just an initial understanding and, and common ground. Yep. Now I do want to comment. Now, now I'm especially thinking of Mary Kate. Like, she's probably likely to become a pagan. <laughs> this is one of Megan's daughters, the oldest. And I'm like, you know, Regan too. I mean, <laughs> I could see these girls going down the wrong path Those very easily. They're very influential. They could very easily leave the path of righteousness. But I want to comment on something Steph was saying on last week's podcast, and she made a good point. Steph was saying, you know sometimes there's people who just check the Catholic box, yeah. but they're not impressive. Yeah. And I think, I think we need to clarify that for me, I would say 
when I, when, when I would encourage my people to be dating faithful Catholics, I don't mean someone who is raised Catholic and maybe goes to Sunday here and there, or even every Sunday. When I say someone who's Catholic, what I would encourage people to is you want to marry someone who loves God. And here's the real deal. Like I, uh, for me, there, there are tons of quote unquote Catholics out there that wouldn't even, in my mind, be eligible as a potential spouse. Right. Now I haven't dated in over 20 years. <laughs> it always freaks people out. Like FB, right? Like you can't talk about dating. Yes, I can. <laughs> I dated and it freaked all of my old girlfriends out when I became a priest. And they're like, what did I do? And my dad, God bless my dad. My dad still thinks I'm a priest because of one girl I dated in my senior year of high school. Oh. <laughs> high school. Hashtag Laura Denman. Like, I don't broken know if you can hashtag heart. Yeah, hashtag broken heart. <laughs> but I'm like, come on, dad. That's not why I became a priest. Maybe partially. No, not really. <laughs> uh, but don't, don't you think that's, that, that's a big thing? I think if you're going to limit yourself to Catholics, it does limit the pool. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So let me ask this. So, so riddle me this, Megan Carney. <laughs> So let's say one of your daughters comes to you and they're like, you know what? There's no good Catholic guys out there. I don't seem to click with them. Not that there aren't. There are lots of good Catholic men out there, but they're just not finding the right guy. Is there ever like a time where you would be like, okay, like this isn't ideal, but. Yes. I mean, I love the example of Patrick and Stephanie and actually my Dear, dear friends, Cameron, Jason, Whitehouse. Jason wasn't Catholic at the time. They, get, they were married. Some question still if he is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's just working with the archdiocese. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's a good Catholic. He is. Um, but that they were open enough at the time, and but that they met and were dating, but they're also faith-filled enough to remain close to God. And But I think something that was important to both of them in the, both the situations, that the, they were were people who were seeking out God, who were yeah. seeking truth, who were open to um, what God had to reveal to them and where God was leading them in their lives. So yeah, if my girls came to me and they weren't, they wanted to date somebody who wasn't Catholic, um, that would be the big criteria. Are they open? Are they searching? Is it a priority? Yeah. Is God a priority for them? Yeah. So I think, I think the caricature and I, my main thought on this, so I, I do think there's a, there are times you can be open and like, um, so my parents, my mom is Catholic. My dad's still not. Uh, they've had a good marriage. I, I think both of them would confess that having a different kind of view of what life is really fundamentally about has been a challenge in their marriage. Yeah. And I think both my mom and my dad would say they're happy they got married, but that's, that's a really tough thing. Um, so I do want to agree with the, the kind of caveat of for me, the big thing, I've had friends who have married non-Catholics, some that I think it's gone better, some I don't think it's gone as well. Uh, but it, for me, one of the biggest kind of uh, preconditions for this, if you're going to date a non-Catholic, there's a big difference between a non-Catholic who one is, is this guy or girl, are they virtuous on a natural level? So by the way, though, when you're dating them, you're always going to think they are because you're smitten <laughs> by them and you're going to come to me and you're going to be like, Father Brian, she's so virtuous. Like, she's just such a good girl. And I'd be like, uh-huh, I'm sure she is. And maybe she is, but that's, that's necessary. They need to be living a good life. But the other thing is, I think they have to be open and not just like, I'm open to you doing your thing. Yeah. And that's what I get more than anything in marriage prep. And I just like, this is one of my biggest things about marrying a Catholic. 
and I, and I want to hit on this pretty hard is that we have the totally wrong idea about what marriage is. And that's where I think this, the problem lies mm-hmm. is that everyone in our culture thinks that what marriage is, how long have you guys been married? You and Brian? 22 years. 22 right. years. That's awesome. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for your witness. That's great. So 22 years. And I think what, when people are engaged, they think that marriage is about romance. Mm. Right. And our whole culture says this, right. And, and thank God, I mean, if I have a couple that comes in my office and they don't have romance, yeah. I feel like, yeah, we're not, we aren't really that romantically in love, but we're a pretty good team and you know, we're complimentary. Right. I'm going to be like, okay, like this isn't going to work. It'll be a nice friendship for you to have. It'll be a nice friendship. You can be platonic friends, <laughs> yes. you know, something like that. You can be a priest. You can be a nun. <laughs> But I think our culture, like when you, when people get engaged, they think this is just about romance for the next 50, 60 years. And how long, let me ask you as a married woman, not to throw your, your marriage, you know, <laughs> open here and lay it bare for all to, to gaze in. But how long, I mean, how quick do you realize that marriage isn't going to be just about that at least? Oh, this answer might not be that encouraging, but cause for me, the hardest year of marriage was our first year, mm. <laughs> but just that adjustment of living with your spouse and, and you know, you probably all had roommates before and so forth. And this is a totally different ballgame. So how are you going to manage life together? So that was just the Rockies, just sort of level setting those sort of basic functions. So I guess pretty quickly for me. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I mean, I, I, it, <laughs> I tell people, it, I have friends who that's the case where like the first year is really hard. Mm-hmm. I have other friends who their first couple years of marriage was really easy and just kind of blissful. Yeah. But at some point, right, you're going to, you're going to realize at some point that marriage is not just about, you know, we have romantic lady in the tramp dinners <laughs> and we eat the same noodle and smooch at the end. Right. Right. <laughs> that's not, that's not simply what marriage is. And I think this for me is the main point. Why? So, so the church allows Catholics to marry non-Catholics, but in my estimation, it, and, and this isn't just my estimation, this is one of the precepts of the church is that we really follow the church's teachings on marriage. We have to be married in the Catholic church. Um, we have to have, if you marry a non-Catholic, when you come to marriage prep, you, and it's a really hard conversation, I have it all the time with couples, but if you were going to marry a non-Catholic, you have to sign a document saying that you will do everything in your power to keep your faith and to raise your children in the faith. And very frequently that's offensive to the non-Catholic party. And, and I think all this, what it really boils down to is that Catholics have a different understanding of what marriage is than the average person on the street. The average person on the street thinks and that this is my take on it, but the average person out there, marriage is, hey, and Patrick and Stephanie made a reference to this. It's an analogy I use a lot in marriage prep, is marriage prep, we can think of it like a car ride. And I think the average person in the world, the, it's not the destination, it's the journey. But Catholics don't believe that. Right. And very honestly, we lie to young people about what marriage is. We just lie to them. And we do it through Hollywood. We do it through all kinds of different means. But we, we build this expectation that marriage is just this perfect romance. And, you know, it's Lady and the Tramp. And, this, and I think this is part of the thing is that 
if that wears off, people feel like they're not being authentic or honest in their marriage and they break off as if marriage depended on our feelings. Right. So for Catholics though, right? Every, every Christian state of life. So I don't like using the word vocation. That's a whole nother podcast, (laughs) but every Christian state of life, whether you're single, whether you're consecrated, whether you're a priest or religious, whether you're married, Every Christian state of life was born at the cross. And so for, for Christians, Christian marriage means something different than it does for people in the world. And for Christians, marriage is fundamentally about making our way to heaven. And so a very common passage, I'm going to talk too much, Megan, so cut me off. But um, there's a, um, I'm going to lose the passage here. Let's see. Yep, I'm in the wrong spot. Here we go. Okay. Um, in 2 Corinthians 6.14, St. Paul says, Do not be mismated with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and iniquity? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. And he goes on from there. And in, in my mind, I'm like, I wouldn't, my faith is the most important thing in my entire life. My relationship with God is everything. And your marriage, right, is the most intimate relationship you can have with another human being. And so to enter into a marriage where, where someone doesn't see the most important thing in life the same way I do, yeah. it's very difficult for me to imagine marrying someone and being physically emotionally, spiritually united to them when they, they don't see this fundamental kind of question the same way that I do. Right. Thoughts on that. Yeah. Um, I, I totally agree. Um, I don't know. We, Brian and I got married a little bit later. We were a little bit older. And at that time, uh, we were both credo Catholics, but at that time I was definitely just seeking out to know more about our faith and, mm-hmm. um, really understanding what I believed, um, just becoming a more mature Catholic, I guess. Yeah. How old were you? Can I ask how long, how old were you guys when you got married? 28. 28. Yeah. So not that much later. Not that much later. Yeah. Yeah. Not like right out of college or anything. Yeah. I mean, I have, we have, I have plenty of weddings I do that are people more, you know, closer to 40 when they get married. Um, so to say you weren't, you weren't 21, but you weren't right. You weren't 60 either. No. So, yeah. And I do think, I think this is like at the heart of, if we're going to recover a marriage culture, and I love what I love about Patrick and Stephanie is Patrick had that. And so in the, we do want to be in dialogue with other people, but I think there's a big difference between being in dialogue, being friends with people, and then creating a lifelong partnership where you're vowed to each other Tell death to your part. So, so I have lots of friends. Well, not anymore. As a, as a priest, I don't have as many friends that are non-Catholics. But I think it's a great thing for all of us to have people outside the Catholic world or even the Christian world. I think it's good for us to be, have friendships, to have relationships out there. But I do think there's, there's a fundamental difference between, hey, I can dialogue with anybody. I can be friends. I can understand their position. And then I'm going to unite myself in a spiritual bond that is unbreakable except by death. 
So I don't know. Yeah, I, you're right. You're too easy. You got to push back on me. Harder. <laughs> Patrick would be, Patrick would be here and he would say, FB, you are so full of it. <laughs> I know, but we came into this being on the same page, right? Or what he oftentimes is, he'll say, okay, I see your point, but, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I think that's that's absolutely critical. And and one of the things I maybe one last point I would make. If you're if you're home today, if you want to read a little bit, probably the most important chapter on marriage in the New Testament is First Corinthians chapter seven. And first Corinthians seven, just a, it, it is a different way of thinking about marriage than the way the world does. And Paul there basically is gonna say, There's nothing wrong with getting married, but he, he's gonna encourage celibacy in first Corinthians seven. And the fundamental point he's going to make, he's going to make two of them really, but Paul believes that because of the resurrection of Christ, we live in the end times. Now don't take this the wrong way. We don't mean that in the sense of like, you know, Jesus the second coming is going to happen this week or something like that. That's not what Paul means by that. What he means is that Jews expected the resurrection, but they expected it at the end of time. And the fact that Jesus rose from the dead means that in some sense, the, the end times have broken into the present. And so what Paul is going to say in 1 Corinthians 7 is, with the resurrection of Jesus, everything's changed. And I just, for those of you out there as who are Catholics or Christians, if, if Jesus Christ really rose from the dead, everything's different. And so it's kind of like when we were in high school and you thought, oh my gosh, if this girl doesn't go to prom with me, this is the end of the world. And one day you wake up and you realize there's life after high school. There's something like that for the Christian that what really matters is heaven. If the resurrection has really happened, if Jesus has conquered sin and death, everything we do has to be reevaluated, including marriage. And so Paul in 1 Corinthians 7, his big point is that we need to live in light of eternity. And he'll make the case in that chapter that if you live a life of celibacy, you're going to be, it's going to be easier for you to be focused on heaven uh, than it will be if you are married, which is a, a strong thing. Most people don't like hearing that. That's a hard thing. I get that that's hard, but there are those moments you think, man, I could go live in a monastery and just pray all day. That sounds fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Right. And when you have, and when you guys, how old are your, are your three daughters? 19, 16, and going to turn 14. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you have my, and not being married, but my experience of this is with parents, when you, so when you're engaged, life is about, as it should be, and it's not bad, but it, when you're engaged, it's about romance. Patrick and Steph are about to have their little baby, uh, Gianna, uh, next month. And, but everything changes, right? Right. And what was, tell me about that. What was that like for you and Brian when Mary Kate was born? Oh, golly. Everything changes. You're absolutely right. It, and I don't, people have been having babies for millennia, but you still cannot be prepared for what it's like yeah. in your own. And uh, one of my first, when we first brought Mary Kate home, I, this panic of what have we done that we cannot undo? <laughs> yeah. That it's just the, the sheer weight of the responsibility and, and you're, you're on now yeah. forever. So, um, yeah, everything, it alters everything. It alters. you just need to stay alive. You're cause you're responsible to this little human dependent on you. Just yeah. everything. 
Janet Smith says that. She has a great line where she says, when you become a parent, you immediately become a better person. Mm. And I love the way this is dated. She said this in like the, it was like the mid nineties, I want to say. But she has this great line where she says, when you become a parent, you just all of a sudden care about a bunch of things you didn't before. Yes. Yesterday, you didn't care what the local school system was like. Yeah. <laughs> and the moment your baby's born, you're like, I've got however many years to fix the school system <laughs> around me because yes. my little baby girl is going to be in, in one of these schools. Yeah. Right. And yeah. And you're like, you've got to, now all of a sudden you got to care about how you live your life because you've got to be there for, you know, little Mary Kate. Yeah. Uh, and so marriage, yeah, it changes all that, right? Yeah. And I, and I do, I think this is something that those of you out there in the dating world, this is a fundamental for me is people can change. They do change. And I think, and we need to work and to help people see the good news of Christ. But sometimes those things don't seem like a big deal when you're dating. Yeah. You've great chemistry and that's kind of what matters when you're dating. Right. When you have kids, it's going to be a massive, massive deal. I know, I know people, well, everyone will remain nameless, who have married spouses who they kind of waxed over that when they got married. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't go away. No. It doesn't go away. And there's, there's one couple I'm thinking of who the husband um, never really even believed in marriage. Oh. And kind of just caved to his, his now wife. But that, didn't, that attitude hasn't gone away. Yeah. And, it's, and they're going through a really hard time because he doesn't believe that marriage is this journey that's towards God, that's unbreakable. It's till death do you part. He's never really believed that. And I think the wife, I don't want to put words into her mind, but my perception is she thought, well, he'll, he'll get over this. And, right. and if, as long as we get married and we go through this, it's going to work out just fine. And he'll, he'll kind of come around right. as the years pass. So Sometimes marriage just tends to magnify those differences or, you know, where you sit when you're engaged just gets bigger and yeah. stand when you're married. There's a question on the focus exam. You, did you guys have the focus we inventory? Did. We did out in West Virginia. Okay. So I don't know if it's the same all across. I don't, yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely national nationwide. So focus is a, um, it's a, it's like a, it's, they call it an inventory mm-hmm. and it's like 120 questions, something like that, but it's statements and you, you take it separately. And it'll say, my future spouse and I agree about how we should handle finances. Yeah. And you can agree, disagree, or undecided. And it has like 120 statements. And it's about um, roles and responsibilities in marriage, finances, religion, in-laws, media usage, all kinds of things. But one of my favorite statements on there is it says, my future spouse has some habits that sometimes annoy me. <laughs> Yeah, don't you love that one? It's very gentle. And I it's super gentle. <laughs> and I love it when couples say no. Yeah. And I'm like, talk to me in two years. Because there are gonna be things about your your spouse that will drive you crazy. Yeah. Yeah. My my friend Eric, my my best friend from my childhood, I remember when he got married, a couple years in, he's he was like, Brian, Kristen never laughs at my jokes anymore. She stopped laughing at my jokes. And I was like, I never laughed at your jokes. They've always been bad. But there's just, I do, I think there's just this radical just discontinuity between the dating world and the married world. And, and if, I mean, I just want to, I always want to say to couples, 
when you discern who you're marrying, you got to know what marriage is about first. Yeah. And a lot of, a lot of couples don't have an idea what marriage is about. Right. And, and so I think that's my fundamental critique of, Hey, just be open and whoever's out there, get on hinge. And, and again, I, I, Patrick, like is such a gift of God in my life. He's become such a good friend. I think in yours too. Absolutely. And so I'm glad Steph got on hinge and I'm glad we got Patrick into the church. But the difference with Patrick was he fundamentally was already open to the principles that the church teaches. I have both men and women in marriage prep who are fundamentally closed. Mm. They might be nice. They might be charming people, but they're, they're fundamentally closed to the idea that there is a God. They're closed to the idea that they should, live their life according to what God teaches. And that just is going to be a big issue down the road. So, Yes, absolutely. If you're closed at this time when you're trying to romance somebody and convince them they should spend the rest of your life with you, then, and you can't be open in that, then. Yeah. All right. And any like last kernels of wisdom from a (laughs) married woman of 22 years with three beautiful daughters and an amazing husband. Uh, I don't know about kernels of wisdom, but I think that's something that's just been a gift in our lives is that with having God at the foundation of our marriage, we've always been able to be on the same team. We're never fighting against each other. We're always on the same side, getting through life's big challenges. So that has been such a gift and knowing always that our, our job is to get the other person to heaven or help the other person get to heaven. So that's just been, I would have had, and I, I could have to limit myself here, but I always think it's funny. I think like Catholic couples who really get this oftentimes what they need to work on is virtue and issues of maturity sometimes. Mm -hmm. And they just, they just need to work on that stuff. The non-Catholic couples oftentimes don't understand this, at least one of them. And sometimes they have to work on the same stuff. Yeah. Right. They still have to work on virtue and good habits and, and growth. But I look back at myself when I was in my 20s, essentially. And I entered a seminary when I was 24. But it's funny when I would have been one of the guys who would have been like, I would have gotten this concept because I, when I had my conversion in college, I thought, I, I, if I'm going to marry a girl, she's got to be on fire for Jesus. Yeah. She, and she has to be Catholic. Like she's got to get that, like the Eucharist is everything. Yeah. She's got to understand that you don't just get to choose who Jesus is according to your own image, but actually you have to live in the tradition of the church. But my problem was I was so like guys mature slower. <laughs> I'm still working on that one, but I would have, I would have fallen for the wrong girl. Yeah. I, I think if any girl who was Catholic and showed me affection, I would have been like, that's it <laughs> done, <laughs> like sold, you know? And I totally, and now as you know, I'm 40, almost 41 now. I look at myself and I'm like, I would, now I would have like, and I'm off the market, but <laughs> I would have like very high standards now of, I would have been very particular about the type of girl I would date. So, well, actually something that you said a little bit ago was along the same line, like it made me think, okay, what about the opposite situation where yeah. you find a devoted Catholic who meets another devoted Catholic and that's the only criteria they're looking at. Yeah. No, and that's and that's bad too. So we we joke about this. We call these our nerdy Catholics in marriage prep, <laughs> and some of them really are nerdy and some aren't. But we call them the nerdy Catholics, and they're hilarious. So in marriage prep, they've already read Theology of the Body eighteen times, <laughs> and Theology of the Body. I love Theology of the Body. I think it's a little overstated. I think I think people today. I really do think this. 
People love John Paul II, so do I. St. John Paul is one of my great heroes. But people today act like sexuality is this, it's like saying mass. They're like, it is, sexuality and marriage is so holy. It's so, and I'm like, haven't been there. Have, I have a few doubts about that. And that's another podcast coming up at some point. Yeah, I'll let Patrick feel that one. You can let Patrick feel that one. But, uh, but these, these couples sometimes they'll, they'll come and what they usually want to do is they say, Hey, FB, can we like read a couple encyclicals together? And I'm like, and what, what they don't need to read more encyclicals. Right. They don't need to read theology of the body or love and responsibility again. What they need to do is they need to work on maturity and habits and character. Yes. And that's for everybody. That's something we need. And that's, that's, that's critical in our, in our marriage prep kind of, uh, program. That's one of the, one of the main pillars is we want people to understand the purpose of marriage. You got to have destination. That's, this is the car analogy I use. And maybe we can end on this, but the car analogy for me is some couples have a car that's running great, but they don't have a destination. And so if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. And so you might say, Hey, we got great chemistry. We've got great virtue and habits and skills, but what if you're running the wrong direction? You know, you say, hey, our car, we're going really fast. Well, what if you're going really fast in the wrong direction? But the other problem you can have is, and this is kind of the, the problem that some Catholic couples have, is they agree on the destination. They say, yep, we're on our way to heaven. We want our marriage to look like Christ. The problem is their car is such a beater. <laughs> and it's, you know, it hasn't had a, a tune-up or it hasn't gone to the shop in however long an oil change. And it's going to break down. You're not going to get there. You, you can desire it all you want. But if you're not mature and have good habits and all these kinds of things, it's just, you're not going to get there. So, okay. Well, everybody, thanks for tuning in. Uh, again, would encourage you. I think Patrick, uh, hopefully by the time this comes out, he's in you know, full recovery mode and everything's going great. But encourage you to pray for him anyways. We love him dearly, of course. Uh, pray for Steph. They're about to have their baby and that's kind of a scary thing to have a, an accident like this a month before the first baby's born. So pray for them. Uh, we love them a lot. We entrust them to our lady. Uh, check us out. Uh, you can email us rant at lordsdenver.org. Uh, tell your friends about us. We hope you help you. We can help you to grow closer to God and to answer some of those basic questions about what does it mean to follow Jesus Christ? Thank you. Okay. Thanks for letting me jump in. Thanks for jumping in, Megan. Okay. Peace everybody. Next time. <laughs>